Project Archivist is not intended to be used as a sexual aid, but if it works for you, please don't send us pictures. Some rare listeners have serious skin reactions while listening to Project Archivist, some of which can become life-threatening. These can include rash, swelling, redness, and peeling of the skin. Some listeners have had changes in behavior, hostility, agitation, paranoia, and reduced intelligence while using Project Archivist for listening pleasure. If you, your family, or caregiver notice agitation, hostility, flatulence, or changes in behavior, thinking, or mood that are not typically for you, or you develop anxiety, panic, aggression, anger, mania, abnormal sensations, hallucinations, sonder, confusion, klaxos, bankruptcy, or xenocyne, stop listening to Project Archivist and call your doctor right away. Project Archivist cannot and should not be used as a flotation device, even in the unlikely event of alien contact, regardless of what some doctor in Arizona may say. Some people have reported rare allergic reactions to listening to Project Archivist, some of which can be life-threatening and include swelling of the face, mouth, throat, and sexual organs that can cause trouble breathing and being able to stand in an upright position. Do not taunt Project Archivist. It is also recommended that you do not hold the wrong end of the chainsaw while listening to Project Archivist. Less common side effects include difficulty with concentration, clay-colored stools, erections lasting longer than six hours, unusual facial expressions, problems with memory, problems with memory, and problems with memory. Project Archivist may cause drowsiness, and alcohol may intensify this effect. Use care when operating a sausage cooker or other useless machinery, especially while in the state of Colorado. Some side effects may not need any medical attention. As your body gets used to Project Archivist, these side effects may disappear. Your healthcare professional may be able to help you prevent or reduce these side effects, but do check with them as any side effects will continue, or if you are concerned about reducing them. The most commonly reported side effects are fatigue, munchies, drowsiness, impaired coordination, memory impairment, and the strong desire to unsubscribe to our podcast. Always check with your doctor to make sure that you are healthy enough to engage in Project Archivist activity. Project Archivist, making the world a better place for you and your shape-shifting alien reptilian Masonic girlfriend. Ask your psychotherapist, gastrointestinal specialist, or proctologist if Project Archivist is right for you. When the time is right, Project Archivist. So, what's up, everybody? Welcome back for the holiday special, Holiday with Friends. I've got three other people with here tonight. I've got Ash, who was here on the show before, Shira. I've got my boy Gaz back here from Bizarro Aficionado. And we've got Stephanie Quick back with us. I have no idea what the hell is going to happen tonight or where this is going to go or how long it's going to be. But I am drinking an Imperial Stout right now. So, hey, whatever. It's Christmas time. Let's just roll with it. And boy, the closing music for this show is going to be fantastic. I'll leave it to that. How's everybody doing? Who wants to talk first? What's going on? Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Howdy. Hello. Don't everybody talk at once. Hi. Okay. Hi. Hi. Oh, wait. We talked at once. <laughs> so uh, I guess we'll start with uh, Ash. In, in typical fashion, I usually have a co-host on the show to help me co-host with somebody before I actually have them on as a guest, which is completely ass backwards. Now, Gary, you've been on here numerous times. Stephanie, you've been on here numerous times. We all know each other. This is the first time we've all been together at one time at one point on the show to talk about what have you. But Ash, you've got a whole bunch of weird stories because weird crap happens to you. Well, weird crap happens to all of us here right now. You know, we, we're all known for having strange stuff happen to us. But Ash, you have a lot of weird shit happen to you. <laughs> Do you want to introduce yourself and what you run just in case people like don't know who you are or whatever? Because you're kind of the new kid to the group here, really. So do you, do you want to give everybody... So I've been researching the paranormal for about... Uh, Five days. I, <laughs> I think, Since I you think told I'm... me to. <laughs> <laughs> 
don't tell everybody my secrets, Gary. What are you doing? Um, <laughs> I've only just begun. <laughs> I have been researching for about 20 years. And when I say researching, um, I've stepped progressively into more and more paranormal topics. But I've always kind of researched some cryptids and the paranormal. So I've been doing it for a long, long time. I've learned a lot. I've grown as a researcher. And I have a lot of experiences that I've accumulated over the years. Yeah, you've had ghost, dogman sightings, UFOs, um, demonic experiences. Um, there's, I mean, you've, you've pretty much got the whole cornucopia of weird shit. Like you are, like, it's, it's, all, it's all baked in with you. So, you know, you don't yeah. really seem to have, like some people are gravitated more towards ghosts and some are gravitated more towards cryptids and some are gravitated towards UFOs. You've kind of been in everything. You've had your f fingers pretty much involved in everything all along. So you've got stories to tell. So where do you want to start? Do you want to start with the UFO stuff or you've got dogman sightings? Um, you've got... I mean, at this point, it wouldn't surprise me if a hostess Twinkie were to jump up on top of your bed, sprout horns, and shoot fire out of its mouth or something. I'll, I'll be solid. honest with you. I don't think I'd be very surprised either. There's not much that surprises me anymore. Okay. Um, yeah, you should, see, you should see the company I that comes over to my house. I would like to see that. Yeah? I would, yeah. too. If I can get it on recording, I'll, I'll try my best, okay? There you go. I'm That's hungry right. now. That's the thing. I want a toasted you, Twinkie. You want a demonic toasted <laughs> Twinkie. <laughs> sounds delicious. Tyson of Tweaky actually does sound really good. Dude, deep fried. Oh my god, people. <laughs> Twink. Okay. Um, so my UFO stories, I haven't really openly talked about them. I I've talked about them to you know specific people very privately, but I've never really opened up about them. So this is going to be a new thing for me. So um, I've seen a couple UFOs. I haven't really seen that many. I've only seen three total. Um, now, two of those that I've saw have been in the same time frame as the, I call them dreams. Um, some people might refer to them as experiences. But they were in the same time frame. The first one was like a silver bullet type UFO that bounced and bobbed in the air. And I actually watched that with a few friends. We watched it for probably a good 15 minutes before it shot off and disappeared. And I remember it really well because that's the same day I I got stung by a bee for the very first time. So that was, I remember it quite well. Um, it was actually walking back from the field we were watching it in that I got stung by the bee. But then another one um, had what more to it do. It was, I got stung by a bee on the way, on the walk. Alien. <laughs> you know what? Bee. Maybe it was an implant. Disguised as a bee. <laughs> well, well that's the weird thing is that a lot of people see these UFOs and that they say it, it it sounds like uh bees swarming, right? Oh, that's interesting. What I if didn't it's know a that. fake planted memory and your memory is of actually being injected by them in the mothership? Guess you're not helping weird here. Big eyes too. <laughs> that's true. Well, the owl thing is very common. That's another thing that people when when people have experiences like the owl thing plays into it a lot they recall seeing owls before or after or something like that and then having missing time yes mm -hmm. yeah but there was no owls in this one the, i just mm -hmm. saw the ufo no i mean i don't think there was any missing time i really didn't keep track i was only like i think 15 when i saw that one mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and 
So I don't really remember, but I don't think there was any missing time. And then there was another one that I saw. It was um, pretty minor, but there was a lot of strange sightings that happened in this area. And I think a lot of the UFO dreams that I had had a lot to do with the area I was living in at the time. Mm. The, the area was well known for UFO sightings. There was UFO that passed over my whole entire apartment complex that I lived in when I was uh, 14 till 17 or till 16. And everybody in the apartment complex saw that except for me because I was at school. Um, (laughs) But everybody was talking about it when I got home from school that day. And everybody described it as this huge triangular shaped, completely silent craft that had uh, seven lights. There was, three on each side with one at the tip and it passed over the whole entire complex really, really slowly. Um, yeah, so I missed that one. So I really think it was probably a lot that had to do with the area and the dreams that I had were very strange. Uh, one of the dreams was about a little blonde haired girl. She was probably about eight or nine and I don't remember all the dream, but the specifics of it was I was freaking out because they told me that I basically gave her up to them. And I was screaming and freaking out. And I I was saying I would have never done that. I would never give up my child. And I just remember the terror just just ripping for her, trying to grasp for her and just not being able to get her. It was like she was there, but completely did not acknowledge me whatsoever. Um, And then the second dream I had about I think it was the same girl. Uh, it was probably about, I don't know, maybe a year-ish later, not even. And at that point, she was about 11 or 12. And they, when I say they, I remember there being beings. I don't know who they were. I don't know what they looked like. But I remember the dreams were very white. Everything was white. And... Uh, she was about 11 or 12 in the second dream and I was trying to ask her to please forgive me basically and I was telling her that I would have never given her up and I would have never left her and again she just didn't acknowledge me but the second time she was looking at me in my dream so the people that I have talked to about it a lot of them believe that that was an abduction experience however I went to bed and woke up. So to me, I don't know if it was an abduction or a dream, but it was very strange because I had a lot of UFO experiences at that time as far as dreams and then the couple sightings I had. Uh, How old were you at the time? Uh, I was about 16 during the first dream and about 17, almost 17 in the second dream. And... There's other dreams that I have with UFOs. Um, there was like these robotic, like disc-shaped UFO things that came down out of a bigger ship. They had these claws that would come out of them. And they were like very long cylindrical claws that came out of this little disc at the bottom. And they would burrow into the ground. And there was some that was taking eggs out of the ground. And there was, there was some that was putting eggs into the ground. Big metal hmm. cicadas. Yeah, I don't Weird. know. <laughs> um, but the area itself is known for being a very um, like Native American spot. There were burial grounds that were very noticeable. Right behind my house, there was four of them. And 
then there was a library across the street that was relatively new when I first uh, moved in there. And before the library was built, it was relatively quiet and serene place. But after the library was built, you would always hear like these drums that would play like Mm -hmm. two, three o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. And you would see all these bird lights in the sky, which I don't really call those UFOs because I can't see a craft with just a light. Mm -hmm. But it was very bright lights that would flick in and out of the sky in the area Um, that there was one that was recorded. And I think it might still be on um, online that. It shows a police officer stopping, pulling into the library and waiting and watching this craft that's being recorded and then hurries up, turns on his light, speed down the road, speeds down the road. So it is a very active area. And I think that is probably what is the main source of all the experiences I still have today was just being in the area for so long. Yeah, Ash, um, did, have, you, have you ever read this blog at, at Spiral's End? I forget the name of the lady who runs it. It's been around, I think it's like a live journal blog from probably like 15 years ago. She started it or more. I have not even heard of it, no. She was interviewed, uh, Mike Clellan from Hidden Experience interviewed her, uh, God, years and years ago before he even published a book or anything. Um so she has some stuff there. She has a very, it's, it's kind of an intimidating blog because she's been keeping it for so long and she had so many experiences. But what struck me when you were talking about how you had these kind of waking experiences with, you know, plenty of other people around and even like that, that bee sting to kind of ground you in physical reality as far as that happening in waking consensus consciousness. But yeah. then also these very intense dreams at the same time. And, um, I keep wanting to call her Lucretia, but I can't remember if that's her name. It's at Spiral's End. She taught, she's very adept as far as uh, with various states of consciousness, like she's able to astral project and have out-of-body experiences and different types of meditation. And she's uh, a practitioner of some species like Wiccan or something. I don't, I can't quite recall some type of occult practice. So she's had, you know, decades of um, moving in and out of working with these various uh, more specialized states of consciousness. So what's fascinating to me about that is that she has been able to identify for a number of decades when they physically take her versus when it's like an astral abduction, which is uh, something that can happen or uh, an encounter in the dream dream world you know, like a lucid dream interaction. And, um, you know, this has always been something I thought would be very interesting because a lot of times you have people that are naive to any type of meditation or esoteric practice and suddenly they're thrust into these like very expanded and altered and specialized states of consciousness around these things. So it could be difficult to tease out, but um, she's not the only person that had talks about. I was thinking, I was just listening to this podcast yesterday and today called Artists and Aliens. This guy, Stuart Davis, talks to a lot of artists who have had intense, ongoing alien encounters. And he just had a woman on called Samantha Moore. And she, as well, is talking about these various levels at which you can encounter these aliens. Um, She's had intense stuff going on for years. And she also has had the experience of, um, the way she puts it, is uh, being in a hybridization program. And she actually appreciates and has a good relationship with these uh, beings that she experiences as her children. And But oh, wow. they're in this kind of alter kind of, uh, what does she call it? I think demi-physical. So it's oh, like wow. Sometime, yeah. 
it's kind of like Bigfoot, right? A lot of times you'll see it in a, it's like very obviously an apparition, but then there's these um, footprint prints or fur or these physical traces left. So they're like kind of sometimes maybe, but that right. most of their, you know, existence is kind of in the, the realm of the astral or the imaginal. Anyway, it's just something to, to think yeah. about. Some people tease it apart that way, so... That is very curious because I do know that it, I found it really strange and this has bugged me for years of why it impacted me so deeply when yes. the little girl in my dreams didn't seem to acknowledge me except for the second dream, but still no facial expressions or nothing like that. It was we almost like a, her to aliens. Right, exactly. How <laughs> like, and it was just such a strange thing because, you know, it, it was like she knew that I was there. It's just almost like she was just like cautious mm-hmm. nervous yeah. um and plus none of my children and i have three children none of my children have blonde hair you know yeah yeah, yeah. so why would i dream about a little girl with blonde hair before i've even have ever had kids it's, i don't know it's very strange but you're right with the whole solid aspect to bigfoot uh, with an additional uh, almost phantom or astral type uh aspect i think that some of it has to do is maybe um, dimensional hopping. I think that's why they're they're solid, but yet they're not always here. See, that's mm. the the big eternal question with a lot of this stuff: is is this a nuts and bolts phenomena, or is this a consciousness phenomena? Um, I'm one of those rare people that believes that it could be both. It's just a matter of what happened, you know, for the most part, yeah. which a lot of the UFO people get real pissed off when I say that. That's You have that same thing happen with Bigfoot people, too. You've got the diehard flesh and blood Bigfoot people. Then you've got the people that are like, well, this is actually a spiritual entity. Um, and then you've got the other people that, like, along the lines that you've talked about before, the whole tulpification of it, where this is like an egregore that somebody possibly created or something like that. And right. You have the same thing happen in the crypto community that you do in the UFO community where one side looks at the other side and says, no, you're nuts. This is a real nuts and bolts phenomena. The other side is like, no, this is a, a consciousness phenomenon. It's something messing with our consciousness. And then I'm the asshole that walks in and says, well, what if it's both? And then both sides look at you like why you're out of your both? mind. Yeah, why not both? You know, why why couldn't one yeah. thing be one this and one thing be that? But um, going Just back to different your avatar in the same old computer game. Yes, yeah. exactly. The only thing I, I have started to really lean heavily towards is the fact that I do believe that there is a connection between a lot of the sides of the paranormal. I'm slowly coming to the realization that I don't think that ghosts are as connected to UFO and Bigfoot as I originally theorized, just because a lot of the UFO encrypted and folklore tends to have a lot of uh, physical aspects to it versus ghosts are supposed to be from, you know, us beyond our body. So we have not, there's nothing really physical to a ghost. Well, again, that could be debatable because there's different kinds of haunting yeah. and stuff, which we really right, haven't, you know, saying. it all kind of meshes again. Like we really haven't determined what these things actually are when you break them down. Like what is a ghost? Okay. You've got, Repeating hauntings, you've got poltergeists, you've got ghosts and spirits that actually interact with somebody, you've got, there's all kinds of different hauntings, and people want to take, rather than look at the whole picture, they want to paint it as a picture, and, you know. If we were to take the bare definition of what a ghost is, um, they are supposed to be what we are after we pass, our souls. 
Now, that ha- really, to me, doesn't have anything to do with Bigfoot. However, if there's some other source to types of hauntings that were confusing for ghosts, then I think that that tends to fall more into the Bigfoot and UFO realm. Jen, um, very much are ghostly-like. However, they're not our ghosts. They're just uh, like an entity that basically takes on the form of our living energy and then replays it after we've died. That's one excuse of what a ghost is. Steph? Well, that's the thing, too, is like there's kind of like there's like phenomena, but then there's like what is behind it. So like if you see an apparition, that could be due to that could be due to like a a stone tape recording of a person that was there 100 years ago. It could be uh, your cosplayer friend uh, sending you a telepathic uh, image of themselves that takes over your consciousness. I mean, those those would be two very different type of uh, causes, but the effect um, could be very similar. So, yeah. What were you going to say, Gary? I know you had. Oh, I I just think we're trying to explain unknowns with probabilities. And yes, we don't don't know. (laughs) You know, there's a theory that some hauntings are actually, you know, could be these magnetic images or as well as audio and everything recorded because of certain construction um use of granite or brick that has silicone in it and that may have recording capabilities because the way they construct videotape blah 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 i'd have to look it up to be exact limestone's another one yeah. right yeah. and that they could hold these memories and they're the ghosts that aren't interacting aren't doing anything every night at nine o'clock you see grandma come out of her bedroom door, get her vibrator out of the drawer and go in the bathroom. What? You're projecting an image. What? You know, know, if I'm in my family, I want it to be awful. So, you know, (laughs) she goes in there, you get, for about 20 minutes, and then she walks back out. But she doesn't interact, which is good because, you know, she's 80 and has a vibrator. But you don't want to interact. What? The hell just seem to do things and interact with us. You know, they don't have. <laughs> I'm going to have to put an addendum on all my uh, ghost wow. sex articles on my blog now. Wow. Gary, don't do you have more than one ghost sex article? Intrigues me. She has many. <laughs> As she should. Uh, anyways. Um, so Ash. Doesn't Ash have like a third UFO sighting? Oh, I didn't know where that was going. Oh, a third. Um, um, yeah, I do. I do. The third one was years later, though. Same area. It was, <laughs> sorry. It was basically like a big orange globe. It was around Halloween because I remember thinking it was weird that the church across the street and about a, you know, probably about a quarter of a mile down would put up. Halloween decorations, they really never supported the idea of Halloween. So I was like, that's really weird. And I was, it looked like a giant pumpkin, maybe on strings that had helium in it to where it would stay in the air. And I'm watching and watching it. And then it starts to get smaller and smaller. And I'm like, okay, that's a lot further away than it looks. And so I thought to myself, I had this little, it was a long time ago. It was probably about 15 years ago. I had this, uh, little junky camera phone and I was thought about running in the house and grabbing that trying to get video and I was like my luck by the time I get out here it's going to be gone and I'd rather live the experience than miss it so I just stood there and watched it until it just slowly shrunk to nothing 
and in my head I was kicking myself because I'm like I had plenty of time to go grab my phone <laughs> mm-hmm. but uh, yeah that one wasn't really big it was very strange but it wasn't long after that I guess there was a lot of sightings of that type of phenomena that was been reported not just in my area but around the world there had been like four or five other sightings that, of people that had come forward with the same thing where was this at? Was this in Ohio? How how Valley? It was Kentucky. Yes, it was. It was in Ohio. It was in Claremont County area. Is that area known for a lot of UFO activity? Uh, we have a saying: the town we lived in. We always used to say, "Once you come in, you don't ever leave." And mm-hmm. I spent a very big portion of my life there. And prior to live to moving there, I had moved every year all of my life. To, for my mom to keep me hidden from my dad, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but when we moved there, we spent, I spent probably in the next 20 years of my life there. In the town that, in the town. once you move in, you'll you never, never leave. Move out. Yeah. Is <laughs> why you go there? Makes sense. I, well, I was young. I was only four, 13 when we moved in there. So, gotcha. Then it well, makes that's sense. interesting, too, because I'm taking it that, that things changed with your dad, too. It, once you moved in there, where you felt like you could stay there? Um, no, uh, my dad had finally quit looking for us. <laughs> okay, yeah, so there you go. Yeah, that's yeah. it's almost like the place is kind of protecting you a little bit, or it's kind of like outside of time. I've always had this weird fascination with the place. I, I keep being pulled back there, mostly because of that haunted house that I grew up in. It's now gone, um, but I just, I, I, I felt an attachment to that town mm. so much so that I, I often go back there just to check it out. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's some places that really have that fast. There's a place here, um, Nevada city in California that, um, I've, and my husband have gone to over the years countless times. And it, it's, it's also a place where, you know, I mean, literally you walk down the street and people will just start talking to you about some ghosts that they saw, which is always something completely new and completely different because it's crazy haunted. It was on that, uh, the ghost show with the plumbers. They went to the national hotel there and uh, investigated it years ago. But yeah, it's like the, certain of these areas that just really call to you. So yeah. anyways, Dogman experiences. I don't know if I would even call it a dogman experience, to be honest with you. Um, I would probably, I always called it, it looked like a science experiment gone wrong. Because it, it had dog-like attributes. However, its face looked less like a dog, more like maybe a hyena. Um, oh, that was me. I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> Sometimes I peer in your window. I knew you were stalking me before I knew you. <laughs> See, you knew it. You weren't wrong. What's wrong? Not at all. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And the arms. The arms were very, the arms and legs were very strange. And I say arms and legs because the way they moved were just wrong. It was, everything was wrong about the legs. It wasn't like a dogma experience. It was more like a science experiment gone wrong. And I've always described it as that because that's all I can describe it as. It looked like a hyena in the face, dog-like attributes, on its um, like its back and its hindquarters and its tail is very dog-like. However, its legs, they were very dog-like, but they were bent in weird ways, almost weird proportions. Um, they seemed a little too long for the body. The way it moved along the ground was very, very elongated. Its stride was very strange. And it was very hunkered down to the ground. 
And I watched it come out from the shadows. At first, I thought it was a deer. And that's how tall it was. Mm. And I was sitting on top of a full-size van. And I was just watching the stars. And it came out of the shadow and into the light. And it was nighttime. And it was really bright. So it was either a full moon or near full moon because the trees were casting a shadow. When it came out of the trees and into the moonlight, I could see it wasn't a deer. Because at first I was like, man, that's a really fluffy deer because its its head and neck was really big and fluffy. And its nose was average, but it was real fat. And its slope of the bridge of its nose was very, very uh, sloped. Um, it didn't have much of an, an an angle to it. It had more of an arch or more of a, 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 a slope. It was more of like a slope. And its ears were on the smaller side, but still real pointy. Its hair was very fluffy mm. uh, up towards the head and the neck area. But when it got about to the shoulder blades, it got it got more sparse and it thinned out real thin, almost mangy looking down by its back end. Mm-hmm. And then right at the tail, right at the base tail got real fluffy again. But then its legs, they also didn't have too much hair. Um, you can almost see the muscle definition behind the hair mm-hmm. and it was and it when it moved along the ground it's it, the way it swayed its head back and forth was very strange to me I don't think I've ever seen a dog behave like that it was almost more like a wild type behavior and I've worked with animals for years I've worked in animal control I've done a lot of different things with animals I've done animal training so I, I know animal behavior relatively well so was it like a side to side swaying thing it or was, was it Oh, yeah, okay, just yeah. From, wolves like, do that. Oh, do they? Okay, They'll I didn't. They'll scan do that. right to left as they as they kind of saunter. That's very much what it was doing. Yeah. Um, it was it was hunkered low to the ground, uh, and it was just swaying its head back and forth, back and forth. And I watched it cross my yard, and the feeling that I got in my chest was just so intense because I thought for sure that this thing was going to come after me and kill me. It would have had no problem had it stood all the way up to be able to reach me on top of this full-size van. It was that big. And when it went about to the middle of my yard, it lifted its head, and it didn't look at me. It didn't do anything else. It just put its head back down and changed its direction and came back towards the full-size van where I was sitting on top of. And I had my feet hanging off. And... It came right up under my feet, never looked at me, never acknowledged me. But when it lifted up and it pointed its head at me, I don't really remember what it looked like. I don't remember what it looked like up close in the face. But I just remember thinking, I don't even, it looked like it was sniffing my feet, but I didn't hear it. I didn't hear any sniffing the whole time it was swaying its head. It looked like it was sniffing the ground, but I didn't hear it. Maybe it was a panic. I could hear my heart beat in my ears at that moment. So it's probably, what I, I probably was drowning it out, honestly. But then it put its head back down and it just, you know, got back into its cross position and started swaying its head. And as soon as it got over into the shadows of trees across the road, I hit that ground so hard. I didn't even think about it. I felt my knees buckle. I went in there, ran in the house, slammed my door and started freaking out. And that's when my legs just completely gave out on me because I was like, they were rubber after it. Like, I really thought for a Good period of time. It probably lasted about a good five to seven minutes. I really thought I was going to die. So when I knew I was safe, I just collapsed. And um, 
Yeah. I had a friend there at the time. He had a gun. I was telling him, I was like, oh my God, I was telling him about it. And he comes running out with the gun. And this is actually during my break from the paranormal that I experienced this. So I never looked into it beyond trying to see if it was maybe some sort of giant wolf in the area. And I, he went out there with his gun and he's looking, he's like, I don't see it. I don't see it. I was like, it's in those trees over there. It crossed the road. And then here comes this little white dog running down the road. And he acts like he's getting pointed at that little dog. I'm like, don't you shoot that dog. That's not the same dog I saw. It was a little tiny white dog. <laughs> Is this poodle the one that was scaring you, babe? <laughs> <laughs> I'll shoot it. I think he was scared. I'll do it. He come running out of the house, acting like big man. But I think he was scared when he got out there because I think he was afraid. Because he was covered in urine. <laughs> mm, I think he might have been scared. Yeah, I definitely think he was scared. <laughs> I think the dog made him jump scared, so that's why I pointed at the little dog. But I remember... Just the experience of the noise. There was no noise whatsoever. There was always noise in this area. All times of the night, my neighbors always working on something. You always hear like a like a welder or or a screwdriver or something. Always going all day long. And there was nothing. UFOs to fly over your house. (laughs) Thank God I've never seen any UFOs here. (laughs) Um, But it was just weird. The total silence. Now, I hadn't told this story. I probably sat on this this experience that I had for probably a good five years before I ever came forward with it. And I came forward with it um, a lot more relatively recently. And I had another friend over here. And we were outside looking at the stars. And all of a sudden, I realized how quiet it was. And I looked at him and I said, do you hear anything? And he said, no. Nothing now, I had already told <laughs> you are dead. Um, <laughs> End of story. <laughs> Done. <laughs> the end. Um, so I looked at him and I'd already told him the story. I'd already told him the previous experience I had. Well, now it's been probably about seven or eight years since that happened to me. And he's really nervous about dog and very much so. He doesn't even like to speak about it. And so we were outside. I noticed there was no noise. And I was thinking, okay, I could use this opportunity. I was going to freak him out a little bit. And I thought you know, it was just going to be a little short period of time where there wasn't no noise. And I said, you hear that? And he said, no. And I was like, exactly. That's what happened the night I saw Dogman. And he goes, don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> There's just this puff of smoke in the shape of him like shaggy. <laughs> he's already down the road. He's like, you're hot. Screw this. I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> right, I could see that. I'll take sure. that lesser good, that lesser looking girl back there, and <laughs> nothing weird happens to her. <laughs> no, he does. He researches uh, Bigfoot, but he really tries to stay away from Dogman for the most part. And uh, so this was only this incident only happened probably about two weeks ago, if that. Oh, I don't even think it's been quite that long. The and dog yeah, this this recent one, this one I'm telling right. you about now, and. So he goes, don't say that. And then all of a sudden, we heard this really long, it was very low but loud howl. And it was so long. And we had enough time to look at each other and just watch each other until it finished. And I was like, okay, that was weird. I said, that had to have been just circumstance. And still no noise, still no nothing, no planes. There's an airport near here, no planes, no cars going by on the road that's near here. No, nothing. So then all of a sudden, 
we hear it again, not even probably about five seconds later, way down the road on the other side of us again. And I looked at him and I said, uh, two of the same kind of dogs or that thing goes really, really fast. And he goes, uh, I sorry, I can't stay. <laughs> I said, I think we should go in the house now. And I was like, well, hold on. So I said, I want to wait for the noise to come back. I want to see if this is like really a thing. We didn't come and- here to listen to a noise. Let's go in the house. <laughs> 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 Let's go inside. This is probably about 2 a.m. This was going down, too. You've got to work in the morning. Come on, girl, for God's <laughs> sake. Go no, in the totally, damn house. Totally his idea to watch the stars. I was freezing. <laughs> um, but then when that started happening, it was my idea to stay outside. <laughs> So then all of a sudden we heard it was probably about, I don't know, about 25 feet away in the bushes, this rustling off to, well, it was my left. It's and the first he, guy, isn't it? In the bushes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He had to hurry because the other guy was showing up too soon. I'll make sure he doesn't listen to this. Good plan. Um, so he looks at me and he's like, okay. And then we hear again, but this time to my right, the original one was to my left. This one was to my right, much closer, probably only about 10 feet away. There's bushes all around me. And there was another rustle in those bushes. And that's when I did get a little nervous because I'm like, yeah, there's no noise still. And I'm starting to freak out a little bit. So I was like, okay, let's try something. Because I wanted to stay out there and kind of see what was going on anyway. I said, pull out your camera. These things never act, never interact when you got a camera going. I didn't think it was going to work. Honestly, it really did not. So he pulls out his camera and hits record. No more noise in the bushes. And it took about maybe 10 seconds. We heard a plane. Then another five seconds, we heard a car on the road. Then we heard the neighbor's dogs down the road. You know, the little yappy dogs that are always going. It's like all the sounds slowly just started picking back up again. And I was like, no way. No way. I really did not think that was going to work. It was so wild. So I'm wondering if I'm not kind of almost conjuring maybe another experience, just talking about it. So I'm, I'm, I'm really curious to see what happens after this show. <laughs> I've heard reports of this, you know, not maybe a dog person, but in Bigfoot sightings where people are the ones where they're getting hit by rocks or sticks and things thrown at them. And then, they start closing around, and I can't remember whose story it was, whether it came out of Timothy Renner or something like that, but whose story it was. But I just I remember it distinctly, very similar to that kind of action where they're, they're getting closer, they're making it known that they're closer, they're throwing things. So it's uh, it, yeah, this it, definitely a, felt something. Yeah, it, yes. it, it's it's a behavior. Yeah, and just the fact that it was so ironic, it, it was like a, not even like a nanosecond, or not even like a full, like 0.5 seconds, after I said dog man, we heard that howl, and it was like, okay, that was weird. That's right, baby, you're calling me. <laughs> so, you also have a family curse that you were telling me I about. I do, I do. I have never told this one either. So this one, I actually wanted to more, I wanted to kind of write a about it but I'm not really finding enough information to make it a really good solid story I'm getting bits and pieces of factual stuff but if I'm gonna put it in a book I want to make sure it's 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 solid but so the family story is is that my great-grandpa was a very evil man he's out working in the field one day 
Okay. And the story goes that he just got sucked in the ground. He just disappeared into the ground. My grandma heard him yelling. My great grandma heard him yelling. My grandma and my great grandma and all the other family, they take off running outside. I guess it was some sort of family dinner or something. And the only thing they could find is this giant black hole, like black spot in the ground. And all the grass is like almost burnt in a way. And he's missing. He's gone. And they can hear him. They can hear him screaming. They can hear him uh, asking for help and pleading, but they can't find him. They dug like six foot down while they were waiting for other emergency responders to get there. Now, remember, this was way, way back. This is great grandpa. Digging six feet down is, is not an easy task. Like, if you actually had to dig six feet into the ground, it's it's not easy. It's a waste. Right. Yeah. And they, so they ended up digging a total six feet down. They started digging before, you know, they got help, neighbors and stuff to come over. But they ended up digging a total six feet down. They could never locate him. But his cries got more and more muffled. And eventually they just stopped. Well, they never recovered his body, supposedly. Burying an empty casket. And... And where, where was they, this? Was this Ohio or? This was not in Ohio. I didn't know. I knew that it was somewhere in Tennessee. I didn't know where at first. This was just a family story that had been passed down. I didn't think there was any truth behind it whatsoever. Yeah. yeah so um, they heard him for the rest of the time they lived there. I guess every now and then they would hear him crying and pleading for help and screaming. And the story is that he was such an evil man that the devil sucked him under the ground and that's where he was forced to be for the rest of his existence alive. Well, it's just a story. Everybody has their family stories. However, yeah, but most family stories don't research, involve, you know, grandpa getting sucked <laughs> into the ground and not the coming back. ground sucking you down. This yeah. is true. This is true. I also have a story about a cousin who, um, met a very similar demise, uh, but within the house and, this one, that one was more recent. And so I actually did some digging and I found out that my grandpa lived in Wartrace, Tennessee. I was able to locate their old property through Google Maps. I was able to locate a spot where I believe the black hole might be. And I'll have to go meet with the current property owners and see if it would be feasible for me to go out onto their property and basically do an investigation of this black hole that I can see on Google Maps. So you can see it in Google Maps. You can see it. It is in the middle of the field and you have to zoom in pretty far. The only reason I was able to find it was because while they did have like hundreds of acres, they said it happened near the house. So I was able to kind of trace where the house used to be to where, you know, it was a lot of work, but it took a lot of my, my dad's help. So I was able to actually find a spot. So I still have to investigate it. Um, however, he does have a grave plot. I have never been able to find his obituary. He does not have one. So I can't figure out how they're saying he died. I have applied for his death certificate. Um, the problem with that is is that I am not being, I'm not able to show I'm a blood relative. Mm. So I have to try to find a way around that. But um, yeah, it's a very weird story. But with my cousin, same side of the family, uh, my cousin was six years old and climbed behind the couch and never came back out. They never were able to find her. And the same thing. What? Yeah. 
So how same, old was she? She was about six, I think. Six and she or crawled seven. behind the couch and vanished. Yeah, this was my uh, second cousin, so it would have been one of my one of my um, great aunts. No, it uh, would be. So it was my aunt's daughter's kid. So that's so about what time frame did this happen? Uh, it happened. I would have been. I was not. I was not alive when it happened, but I would have been about eight when I first heard the story. I was not alive, but it's more recent than my great grandpa yeah. and more traceable. However, I haven't dove into that yet. So I don't know the facts on that yet, but That's I do so know weird. their name. I, I, no, all of this is really interesting. I love that there's that black hole on the property too. But, but the thing is, is that there's also, um, uh, and I just saw him mentioned recently online for some reason, Ambrose Bierce, the writer. He wrote a lot of weird stories, but he had this recurring theme of um, people like getting uh, drawn into like a, a room in the house that like is an alternate dimension. So people can like hear them in there, but they can't get to them or they can't get out. So they're kind of trapped in this alternate weird thing. Or uh, there's another story that I believe he wrote where someone um, disappeared in a field and they could hear them for a while. There was no hole there. But the weird thing with Ambrose Bierce then is then he ended up going and fighting in a war down in Mexico in like the late 1800s, early 1900s. And he ended up disappearing. His body was never found. But people assumed he died in the war somehow. But it's kind of weird because he had these stories that he wrote about strange, weird kind of interdimensional disappearances with bleed over. But then also then he ended up disappearing himself. So it's yeah. this strange kind of interaction between the fiction, but then also these people that, well, we don't know what happened to them either. There's no body yeah. anymore, you know? So yeah. yeah, and that's a scary thing to hear when you're a kid. Now, I heard oh, yeah. these stories from the time I was little, yeah. and I'm like, I was scared to death, scared to death growing up because I was like how could it disappear into a hole you know like that's a scary thing to hear as a kid growing up but sinkholes are frightening yeah. they really are and yeah. Tennessee is full of them that is yeah. my biggest thing is I really 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 want to go test the ground I want to find somebody that can maybe put me in contact with somebody that can test the ground the grass in this area to see if because the first thing that popped in my head was maybe he just went down in a sinkhole you know exactly sure but then there's the black spot in the ground. And I didn't put no measure on that until. A, just a burned out black area. Like it was either flooded for a long time or was they burned said, out. They said it looked like the grass had been burned and nothing ever grew there again. Huh. And in the middle of this field. Now, I'm not sure if this, whoever's doing it is doing it for some other reason. Sure. You know, intentionally doing it. Maybe it's part of like, you know, the way they're irrigating their crops or something. I don't know. I want to go out there and figure it out because. It might not even be the right spot. I don't know yet. There's different kinds of sinkholes, too. Can you also, if a spring diverts, an underground spring, it can saturate an area, and all of a sudden it's like quicksand. Yeah. Sucks him right in. But you're still going to be able to tell that that's goo. Yeah. You know, that that's mud. So I just, that's just bizarre that it almost like it sucks him in and then covers the surface again. Yeah. Now, I don't recall about my cousin if there was a black hole or a black spot left, but I do remember they said Behind that. Behind the couch. Yeah, I do remember they said that they could hear her. 
all the time until it drove my aunt crazy. Yeah, that's the most awful kind of detail to have in a story like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Scary. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Yeah. I wonder, too, about the black hole that you can see on the property. If maybe, because uh, it happened so long ago, that uh, if he was, like, sucked into a sinkhole or whatever, and then at a certain point they started associating it with that black hole, which was could be there for another reason. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, but and that's why, that's why I don't want to put it into writing yet until I'm able to get some really good factual solid evidence because right now it's like it's a lot of hearsay and then I found a hole, a black spot in the ground, you know? Yeah. Even if dad yes. grandpa got sucked into a sinkhole, that's still a great story. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, there, there are sinkhole maps of Tennessee. You can look them up online. Oh, wow. And, uh, They'll connect them to like caves and things like that. I think there's actually a cave sinkhole site. You know what? I actually, I have been playing around that site. I know what you're talking about now. I have been. Yeah. The people that own this property now, they're, they, you know, your family sold it off or what have you, correct? So somebody else, somebody, okay. So how does one go about contacting the people who own this property and says, and say, yeah, my grandfather got sucked into the ground out here and went up missing. Can I go on your property and take a look around? Like, how do you, how does one broach? I will call up and, and be like, so those times when the field says, hey, I need more water. That's my great grandfather. Well, I'll tell you. Yeah, right, exactly. Has there been other reports of strangeness on this property or anything like that? Is, is, do you I know if any other things have no idea. I have no idea. I honestly could not tell you. I didn't even think to look at that aspect of it. That's probably a good thing I should look at. But I can tell you I was able to uh, go back to the old maps and look at the districts and narrow down where the house used to be to where the house uh, is no longer exists to where the I found the black spot. So that's how I originally tracked down what I think is the spot. Now, I could be way off. Maybe I don't know what the hell I'm doing, but I think I'm pretty close. And But I am able to contact them because their information is public online when you look at property records. What I, when I'm going to contact them, when I do finally get a chance to contact them, I'm probably going to try to say, hey, my family grew up in this area. I kind of want to see, walk around, and, and reminisce, see what it was like to grow up in this era, you know, like maybe try to hit tug on their soft spots a little bit and hopefully they don't listen to this show and see if they'll let me <laughs> walk around their property. I'll just blame it all on me. Yeah. It's Gary's fault. Well, I'm not like him. <laughs> I'm nothing like Gary. I swear. Have you looked in like the, the county records or like the, the city records or newspapers around there to see if there was any other, like if there's any other historical weirdness involving that area or anything like that? I, I, I specifically looked for other people um, disappearing in the sinkholes, specifically, which is how I came up with the sinkhole map that Gary was talking about. I had forgotten totally how to end up on that site, but I did look at that specifically. However, I haven't looked at other odd occurrences in that area, but I, but I should. Mm-hmm. Somewhere there was a cop that had to get... 2314, um, go to 428 Nelson Street for toddler vanished behind couch. Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine the weirdness? Um, excuse me? <laughs> um, I, change to Channel 4, please. <laughs> channel 4, go. Yeah, I, it's it's the sinkhole family. Now they say the kids <laughs> vanished behind the couch. Yeah, 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 I don't know. I don't know. Good luck. Take it off mute. Take it off mute. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> okay, so this happened. Okay, so your grandfather disappears into a sinkhole, and your cousin disappears behind a couch. Now, and now, if if I've missed something somewhere, now your cousin never came back, right? That that was a one. Both of these no. were one way trips. Okay, so yeah. when your cousin disappeared behind the couch, is there like? Did they just declare them dead? Is there a death certificate or something for that? Or I don't know. I have not had a chance to look into this uh, scenario yet. I do know my aunt's name. I do know uh, her daughter's name. That there is a death. She did have a daughter that went missing. However, I don't know if the story that was told is what I'm going to find. You know, out to be truth. Mm-hmm. I just don't know. So like, I guess it's a you, great story to track. Yeah, how do you go about yeah. researching that though? Like, well, you I imagine you could dig through your family records, so you could dig through all that stuff to find out like what the cousin's name was and and what they put down for cause of death, because you can't exactly write on a death certificate cause of death disappeared behind couch. You know, I mean, right. this is, is like a poltergeist movie kind of thing. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I watched Yeah, that's one of my fascinations with finding my great-grandpa's obituary. I want to find out what they put down for him. I mm. want to find out what they put down for my cousin. Uh, right. What if there's more? There's like, in 1746, your great-great-great-great-cousin <laughs> Lawrence disappeared behind a shiffer robe. <clears throat> but there's more to that curse. That's just the beginning of it. I so, can't wait. <laughs> That's just the beginning of it. It's not really that big of a deal, but it's trickled down through the generations because um, it's the curse is. I was going to say, what is the curse? Is the curse that people just randomly disappear or like what is the the curse? curse? The curse was supposedly done on my great grandpa um, because she had a vendetta with my great grandma. Now, I think it was a love story, but nobody fesses up to that. So the curse says that my family line will basically disintegrate. There will be no males born within our family uh, that will carry on our last name. <laughs> Is your last name Mayfair, and are you all witches? <laughs> How did you know? Um, <laughs> That's very Anne Rice. So um, it's just convenient and ironic that there aren't really any true males in our family. Define it's a true. long story. I, I was um, going to go there and then I just didn't. <laughs> it's a long story. However, uh, a good portion of the, the children that are my grandma's are not my grandpa's. Okay. I follow you. Okay. So, gra- so grandpa was a rolling stone. Got that. Okay, so what you're saying is you don't have a whole lot of males in your family then. So at some point or another, then your lineage is going to die out. Well, the bloodline will carry on, obviously, you know, at some point. But the last name is, you know, like me, I I have no sons. I only have daughters. So, you know, I am the last of my my lineage to carry on, which I'm okay with. It doesn't freak me out or bother me. But, you know. So there would be no true males to carry on the last name. However, even though... My dad is not, um, you know, my grandpa's real kid. He still has. Well, my dad has a total of four girls, Mm -hmm. three from with me and my my mom and then another from another marriage and then um, two males that were not his. 
and that's that's unfortunately been proven genetically um, due to family drama. But they are not his. They are not his males. <laughs> oh, so I do have I do have brothers with the last name that I have. However, um, they are not genetically my family. They're adopted. No. I, <laughs> they were they were found in a large black pit in the field. They popped yes. out of the field and, and one walked from. out from behind the couch. It was an exchange program. Yes. <laughs> it wasn't. <laughs> so it seems it seems while there are males in our family, uh, time and time again, they're born from not our genetics. So I am one of three girls. <laughs> Well, it kind of sounds like what, like the ladies choosing from a, choosing from a wider field of uh, genetic input, let's say, than, right? If they're kind of having these sons, but they aren't from the guys they're married to. Yeah, it's just strange, though, because even though with my dad, um, he mm-hmm. uh, still did not have any males. So yeah. it's like yeah, yeah. Th- that. There's that all these curse. different angles that are, yes. are making it happen. Yeah, one fluke thing yeah so it's, it's just very strange and i know that um part of the curse obviously is also that there be very difficult for anybody to carry on a relationship with our last name <laughs> yeah. so that is all part of the curse which seems to be uh relatively i know a bunch of guys i don't think you're missing much oh okay uh. Yeah, well, maybe yeah. maybe I should see the other team. <laughs> Back and forth. <laughs> Put yourself in a corner. Okay, so are you worried about this curse carrying down into your family lineage in any way or anything like that? Or are you not worried about it because the males in the family are just non-existent anymore? Like that that side, like the the family's uh, going to die off for more, the family name is going to die off then. Yes, I I don't think I, I don't think it's even possible for it to carry on. Mm-hmm. Our our last name kind of dwindled with and mm-hmm. besides the fact now that my family's boring. <laughs> wish we I could just see bread off. Oh, the bread. and I found out today. I got my hands ancestry back. I am Gypsy and Greek. That explains a lot. <laughs> yeah, now I got to make sure you're not related to my daughter. Ah, who is also Gypsy and Greek. Oh, nice. <laughs> Romanian. Well, that's Greek. Gypsy. Yeah. Romanian. Romanian. Yeah. Well, it's par- partially. Um, partially, yeah. Yeah, partially. Because yeah. some of it, some of that's some so of the Romanian, wild. the Gypsies were believed to have immigrated from Northern Africa and spread out from there. Yeah, in India. Yeah. Oh, and I'm also Lithuanian. Lithuanian? Lithuanian. Hmm. Yeah. Cool. Don't think I've ever, ever met a Lithuanian. Oh, I met a, I worked for a lady who was a Lithuanian uh, descent for quite a while. She was um, Rita. She was uh, really nice. They were from Chicago and a uh, Lithuanian family. So, hmm. Yeah. Funny enough, my grandma was very much into uh, practicing Native American traditions, and I have 0% Native American in me. Well, that they could. Yeah. No, that's yeah. the thing with these ancestry with sexual reproduction, right? You throw away half of the genetic material every generation. Yes, so you, that's get, true. you have plenty of ancestors who have that. They, those particular genetic markers that they're screening for is related to uh, indigenous ancestry, let's say, have been thrown out. But it doesn't mean that those people 
of indigenous ancestry and that they weren't your, you know, ancestors. So it kind of is, well, it's only, it, you know, it's a, it's a math thing, but, but yeah, that's yeah. why yeah. I don't understand it. Cause I mean, oh, my yeah. siblings could take it and they could get different results than me. They just, put, exactly. it's just yeah. what your genetics pick up on the most. Yeah. So does your family have a history of having strange things happen to them throughout the whole? I mean, obviously, your grandfather disappearing and your cousin disappearing certainly qualify as a strange thing. Yeah. But like, are there family tales that carry through the family of like a ghost that haunts through the family or a dogman that hosts, you know, go through the family? Yes. Yeah. My, uh, yes, a lot of stories. My grandpa knew which house he was going to die in and bought it anyways. And he died in that house. And in that same house, my dad and my uncles and my aunts, they grew up just with ghosts all around them. They so bad that they got to the point where instead of trying to be scared by the ghost, they would try to turn it around. And my dad would turn around and scream boo at the ghost and watch him disappear, he says. That's like that meme. Whenever you have a, it's like something ghostly happening in your house, make weirder noises to assert dominance or something like that. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And my grandma, my grandma always used to tell us, just um, just rebuke him in the name of Jesus Christ and they go away. So that's what he would would do, I guess. And I guess it worked. He rebukes them. Rebu- rebukes them. <laughs> Okay, so with all of this going on, when you walk into, like when somebody contacts you and says, yeah, I think I've got a ghost in my house, or I think this is going on, or I think that's going on, like when you show up on premise, like how much weird shit happens? Because you're, like knowing you personally and privately, you've got a lot of shit going on. Like things happen Mm -hmm. with you. Me and you have had very, I mean, I'm not going to go into anything that we've talked about privately here for a lot of reasons, right. but like this things happen with you like all the time, you know, you're like, yeah. blah, blah, yeah. blah happened to me today and blah, blah, blah happened to me today. And it's kind of like with me and you, it's kind of a point of like, yeah, that, that happened. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, how's the kids doing? Oh, hey, doing we've great, been you know? on, we've, yeah. yeah, we've been on the phone with each other when it's even went down. So yeah, you yeah. Know, I mean, so. you're witnessed even some of it. You know, I almost wonder if they get bored sometimes because of my lack of reaction, because the less I react to it, the, the less it happens. So oftentimes I'll call out and I'll say, you guys are being awful quiet just because I get, I'm weird. I like the activity. I enjoy it. So when they get too quiet, I try to wake them back up in a way (laughs) just by, just by calling out to them. Just by, why would you do that? I know it's strange. It's just what I do. But these are entities that I've, I've, I've almost, I don't want to say collected, but they've been welcomed to follow me because of their nature. And sometimes they do. So yeah, but most people have get, like most people have a family pet as a dog as a cat. Most people don't have a dog man as a family pet. You know, it's not. True. <laughs> you don't have to walk a dog man; he'll walk himself. Yeah, it's or you. <laughs> I, right, I I'm also a, a fantastic says, pet. <laughs> That's not true because if you sit on the couch, you'll lick your balls. I've seen it. Which, by the way, if Gary walks up and starts humping your leg, just let him go. He'll finish. He'll he'll leave you alone. Oh, it's okay if the dog does it. But because I happen to be a little bendy, (laughs) then I'm a bad person. Oh, my God. (laughs) You would if you could walk the dog in the snow. We have a pillow that we toss, Gary. (laughs) Here, Gary, go ahead. Oh, my God. So, Ash, I'm interested in you talking about having all these entities that you are used to having around you and that you miss them when they're not there and you 
field because I have similar or the same experience as far as, um, especially with the entities that I connected with in my near-death experience, which was uh, a number of years ago, when it was like 1980-something, the mid-80s, and these uh, since then. that I, And it's kind of weird because you get used to having them around. And for me, you know, I'm so used to with those uh, entities from my near-death experience that it, at any point, if I have like a serious question about um, like a esoteric te- technique or um you know, like a subtle anatomical structure or a process, I, you know, I can ask and then, you know, if I can up, then I'll have that, you know, like a download or, or information will appear in my consciousness. And it's, you get so used to it being that way that you forget that other people don't have a similar experience. But do you, what type of uh, communication do you have with these entities? Do you feel like, because I know a lot of people feel like there's a teaching ask back and forth yes. or a training ask type entities so anything you could say oh yeah for sure um they they will they often will get mad and they will get on me for doing things that i clearly know i should not be doing Uh. um (laughs) so they are almost like guides you know i feel like they are Mm -hmm. some of them are never lived some of tulpa-esque um some of them are very old uh but they they do they try to give me advice. Um, they give they gave me schematics on a device to create uh, that I'm still mm-hmm. working on. Oh, wow. and yeah, and they they just they're very they're very in tuned. And a lot of times they go out and they'll get information and bring it back to me. Sometimes I don't want the information but just they just give it to me anyway okay when you get them from okay so you're saying that these things will go out and get information and bring it back to you when you get the information how do you get the information do do you get like a download or it is a feeling or i mean i don't know i mean weird (laughs) so i i always i say i feel it coming from the back right part of my head it starts with a feeling like almost like uh something's in there messing around like you can just feel something extra Mm-hmm. And then it just comes in the form of like, if it was a thought, but it's not my own thoughts. Yeah. Um, it's it, And the reason why I know, I, first of all, I, I've spent a lot of time doing this. I I can tell it's not me. And the reason why is because they don't use the same terminology. Some of them speak with uh, accents. Um, some of them are more, they're given to me as a thought. I believe that's the case just because maybe they don't or are not able to speak my language. I know yeah. it all sounds a little on the woo-woo side, but everything is woo-woo in this field, you know? And it's it's just it's it's just the way that they say things, the things that they say, uh, how they say them. It's, it's clearly not me. I don't think like that. I, I do hear my, you know, I guess you call it my little angel, you know, that speaks to you, your conscience. Mm-hmm. I hear that. That's me. I recognize the difference. So yeah. that's how I know that it's not my own thoughts. Um, plus, there was this moment where I was driving, come to a McDonald's, and I stopped at the red light, and I had a couple friends with me. And as soon as I hit my brakes and we got fully stopped, all of a sudden it was like an entire lifetime was just like thrown into my head. And it probably took not even a second. 
So mm-hmm. I turn and look at my friend that's sitting in a passenger seat, and I said, I just had a vision. Now, I've only ever opened up to this friend maybe a handful of times, but she she was like, no, you didn't. You know, she was very much non-believer. It's why I didn't really talk to her about it much, but I just felt like I had to say it because it was like it was in there for a reason. And I go through the stoplight, and I'm telling her what happened. I'm telling her everything I saw, or at least, you know, as much as I can. And as we're pulling in, I was like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, that's the guy. That's the guy in my dream, or that's the guy in my vision. So I, we pull up, stop, and I'm watching him across the parking lot, and I'm like, should I stop him? Should I stop him? I feel so stupid. Should I stop him? So I stopped him. <laughs> yeah. Good. I go up, and I tell him, and I say, look, I know – but here's what I saw. Here's what you should do. Here's what be careful of, you know, so on and so forth. He gave me this big hug and just started crying. And he said, thank you so much. You told me exactly what I needed to hear. And he went into the restaurant. I stood there for a minute, kind of dumbfounded. Me and my friends were talking back and forth about it. Then I had my daughter with me at the time, too. So we go in and he's not in there. And I'm like, okay, maybe he's in the bathroom. So at first we were going to go in and sit down, but then I got to thinking it would be weird and awkward to sit down in this restaurant with this guy that has got done confronting about a vision. So I was like, let's just take our food and go. So I waited, waited, waited. Finally got our food, looked around. He still wasn't there. So I'm like, okay, let's just sit down and eat. So we sat down. He never, ever, ever showed up. I told experience to a friend of mine who is a medium, and she said, mm-hmm. you know what probably happened, don't you? And I said, what? She said, you probably interacted with a spirit. He was probably stuck. Yep. Well, what I saw in my vision was he had gotten into a confrontation with his wife, and he took off uh, walking, and he got hit by a car. I was warning him of that. She believes that I made him aware that he had died. That is just, this is so fascinating because um, because it really gets to the the nature, the, like, I don't want to say, the nature of the kind of psychological, emotional things that people go through and how you can communicate on all these levels. But at the same time, it's kind of like the, it just almost like the intensity of the emotion kind of like throws time out of joint. And uh, there's a guy, Eric Wargo, who has a blog called The Night Shirt, and he writes about something called time loops. He wrote a whole book about it. And uh, he talks about how you can have these very strong emotional uh, events that then kind of send this uh, kind of blowback and then that cause causes like a premonition of uh, you, but it's this um, very yeah. intense uh, theory that he has about how um, time works and how it interacts with these subconscious uh, uh, processes and these very strong uh, charged emotional, uh, you know, lo- loci in time space. If you might want to look at it that way, but yeah. I think that's very fascinating because when you said that how he never showed up, I thought alternatively that it could have been that you interacted with him like you showed up in his dream ah that's so interesting i mean i mean and it you know we can have these theories and it's hard because sometimes you just a lot of these things you just never really have the information to say but um i mean it's fascinating how we have these you know the mundane uh physical life that we leave also you know the kind of these the kind of stray random parts of ourselves that are going around interacting out there and, and very profoundly with other people in kind of uh, almost kind of outside of time or in this very kind of uh, different type of a time. I had an experience once 
this happened a number of years ago. Um, and it, it was also a very strange, but it, my mom, I was living with my mom in Berkeley and, um, she was working and there was a lady at her work who had a son and she would come back and give me updates on this. He'd been in like a car accident and was in a coma. Um, and so he'd been in a coma for a while and it was one of those things that they could kind of see a certain amount of brain activity happening, but he wasn't really progressing maybe as they would hope that he would, but at the same time, it wasn't like he was, you know, a complete vegetable or anything. So it was kind of in between, even even in between for being in a coma. And he was like in his 20s or something. He wasn't, old, you know, he was a young man. So she had been telling me one time, and it was getting towards the weekend, I remember for some reason, that um, they were having to discuss what to do with him because he was getting like therapy and more intense treatment at a hospital. And they were thinking, okay, if he's, if he's not going to really be responding, then we need to just kind of just put him in a home and just, you know, start doing a lot less because there was only so much they could, you know, do in terms of uh, financial resources and stuff. Right. So I thought, well, I'll, I'll give it a shot. And so I laid down on my bed in the afternoon and I started meditating and tried to make contact with this guy and communicate to him that basically he needed to shit or get off the pot <laughs> because it's kind of like coming. <laughs> Not what I want to hear when I'm in a coma. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you would think, but well, you know, what can you do? Sometimes life just goes there. But, yeah. um, Stop just laying this really... there. Shit or get off the pod. Either come out of the coma or move along. For fuck's sake. <laughs> I got more to do than come here every day and visit you and read you goddamn stories. What a really? dick. So I had this, this really intense thing. of It's like very emotional and it's like something where, you know, I've been meditating for a long time by then. I've been meditating even more since then. And at a certain point, you get a lot better at remembering what happened in these like really strange altered states of consciousness, but I still, like, I can only remember maybe about half of what went on, but I was just really trying to convey to him that, look, you need to, you know, and I felt like there was a response. Like you say, Ash, so this time you could feel that, that you're interacting with another, it's like if you're just, you know, in a room or something and someone walks in, you could feel that presence. So I felt like I somehow communicated even though it was like a very strange experience and then within a week my mom came home and said that uh that he had started uh he'd woken up and was you know ma making progress and then he, he ended up uh gaining back much of his function it was a long wow. time but, but it's kind of weird because when you were talking about that experience i thought it's like a way in which maybe there was like an interaction between dream or, or something like that but it could be too like your uh, other friend said that um you know he was dead and hadn't realized it yeah so yeah it's very true i never i don't know his name i just knew yeah. what he looked like so i don't know whatever happened to him but that's the only time i've ever had anything like that happen but that's a really intriguing thought i it very much goes along with the i uh thought i think the tim Renner put it out there that maybe, you know, Dogman and Bigfoot are almost like childlike creations from nightmares. Yeah, there could be a Tulpa thing. They, they could be also, they're kind of, uh, have a lot of similarity with uh, poltergeists, except for they're outdoors, right? Yeah, exactly. 
you know, the knocking and the echolalia and the stinky smells. There's even a case in, uh, it was in like suburban Britain in the 60s or something. And there was like these huge footprints that would come in over the lounge. The lounge, they had carpet. I think it was shag carpet. <laughs> <laughs> Always shared. So, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's yeah. that's that's wild. Well, yeah. we are coming yeah. on over the hour mark. Does anybody else have any stories they want to toss in here or anything like that? I'm a very boring man. <laughs> <laughs> I beg to differ, Gary. <laughs> we ate bread off dead people. That's all I got. <laughs> oh, that is so interesting. Wait, no. Were you really Death Eater? He's a Sin Eater. <laughs> it's a Sin, sin Eater, sin but eater. we that's didn't call it, it that, but that's what it was growing oh up. God, that's wild. Yeah. It was weird. Yeah, he's one of the last. Yeah. Well, he's actually one of the true last ones because it's carried down through his family, and he's the last one in his family lineage to uh, to still do it. You haven't done it lately, though, have you? Oh, my goodness. N- it doesn't come up often. <laughs> no. <laughs> Wild. But I, I need to put it out there. People can't just miraculously know that I do it. You know, I guess I have to hang a shingle. <laughs> you know? On Craigslist. Like, Hi, do you have a shitty grandpa that hasn't been sucked into the into the ground? <laughs> I can have him forgiven. Oh, 1-800-SIN-EATER. <laughs> oh, my I am goodness. too close to this mic. Poor Ro. He's going to have to fix all this shit. No, no. It's, <laughs> actually, you're not that bad. My, my volume is going to oh, be far okay, okay. War, war more out of whack than yours is, so it's fine. <laughs> I uh, so, two so Gary, stories. Uh, oh, go go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that my husband Anthony was asking me to ask you. I don't know why I'm going through this. He wanted to know if you've had any weird paranormal experiences related to your uh, professional life as an emergency medical person. Me or or uh, yeah. Ash. Oh, I'm sorry. I com- I thought you were talking oh. to Ashley, and I completely drowned it out into a uh, weird of partial coma. Please repeat. Definitely, so definitely not Ashley. <laughs> Ashley. I'm, I'm not Ashley. It's Ashira. Um, <laughs> yeah. Paranormal professionally uh, through EMT or? Yeah. Um, you know, I myself have not. I, mm-hmm. I, I've certainly talked to other EMTs that have had some weird experiences in the field same with other archaeologists but uh in the field and stuff now now i've had some weird things but that was just because i was with other weird people ah. but, um no uh other emts have had weird weird experiences of I, I can't even pull up a story right now but uh i've had weird little things um what was the name of the uh the guest you had on uh the forensic investigator. The forensic investigator. The guy from Utah. Sure. Well, we we had a guest. We had a guest on uh, within the last year, I believe, that he was a um, yeah he was a forensic investigator that went out and, and he investigated cases of paranormal that had to do with law enforcement and things like that. Um, I was hoping to meet him when I went out there, but I just didn't have the time to do it. But uh, yeah, he's ran across a number of strange and odd stories as well. But usually that has to do with EMT and firefighters and, and police personnel and professional personnel. Those stories have always 
those kinds of stories have always fascinated me, and I've had a really, really hard time. Like, he was the first person in that field that said, yeah, I'll come on your show and talk about this. But um, there are people out there that have written books and stuff on that, but trying to get them on the show and get them to talk about this, because I'm sure law enforcement personnel and firefighters and EMT and, you know, professional people have strange experiences, but a lot of them are very reluctant to talk about it because it casts shade. Yeah, I know there are books. Yeah, there's yeah. books out there, but I've contacted many of these people and be like, hey, do you want to come on my show and tell some of these stories or whatever? And the other problem is, and I understand why they have to do it, that a lot of times they will change the names and so forth and so on to protect the innocent or to give people a cover or something like that. And I know why they do it and I respect it, but I shy away from people who do that because at that point – if there's not a name to track something back to or to actually talk to a person or something like that, then it's just as easily to it's just as easy to create a story and say, Well, I'm not gonna put this person's name on this or what have you. You know, I, I kind of I need to be I need to have a name or something to attach it to or something like that to be able to trace it back in some way, shape or form. Not that I'm going to, but I just feel really strange just putting somebody out there puts a story out there and changes the names of people. Like uh, I, I believe no, things I get are that. Yeah. one single source. Yeah, I, so when I Primary read these stories source. and everybody's like, "Well, I've changed the names," and now for whatever reason, that guy, I, I vetted him pretty well. I listened to a lot of podcasts and stuff before him, and I got a good feel for what the guy was. And I just don't see yeah. that particular person as somebody that would do this kind of thing, no. because he doesn't have a lot of books out on the topic. You know, it was like a one and done kind yeah. of thing. So. You know, it's just one of those things. Cause, it was Paul Rimosh, I believe. Yeah, was that, his yeah, name. yeah, that's who it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I ever go back out there, I'm going to try to see if I can find that guy. There's a couple of people in Utah that I really want to like nail down and actually have some conversations with. So yeah. that's a long yeah, answer to a short question. <laughs> season, season three will have my first episode where I have to actually disguise people's names because I'm I'm actually having a couple different factions of anarchists on the show. Really? So Ooh, that's, nice. When you've been doing – this is going to sound very arrogant and conceited of me, but I've been doing this stuff for a long, long time. And a lot of that stuff that's Paranormal's Greatest Hits I'm very bored with. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I want to find mm-hmm. different unusual things that most people haven't heard about, you know. Like when Nathan was on here talking about the whole Penny Royal thing, that story is so intricately deep and so strange and so weird. There's so many layers to that onion that I was like, this is genuinely yeah, that was interesting. was a great episode. Yeah, he's yeah. a good guy. Yeah, he's cool. So, yeah, that's, that's weird. I noticed how many pan and cicada pictures I have throughout my house, and I'm like, huh, interesting. What's funny is, like, you weren't – how long did we talk to him for, Ash? Five hours, I think, total? Uh, it was a total of five hours. It was yeah. like two and a half hour show, and then we talked for another two and a half hours after the show. Yeah, there's so much more that didn't that, – that he was like, all right, we're not recording – Here's some more stuff, but he wouldn't, you know, he can't put it out there. He just can't. Right. And by the time that we were done, I think, I think me and Ash were like, oh, we must get done now. You know, we were, we were just overloaded. Uh-huh. You know? like, yeah, it was a major brain overload. There was so much in detail stuff that he's been able to piece together and scary stuff even. Yeah, like that's yeah, one of those yeah, things where sure. I want to go and take that story and just take a piece of that story and be like, okay, let's take this piece and let's just investigate this right here because this right here is very weird on its own. You know, but yeah. after talking to him off the air, it's like I don't think it's going to be that easy because everything that that guy talks about, everything interlocks in one weird way or another. It leads down another rabbit hole and another rabbit hole. Like he's found mm-hmm. something very strange down there. 
You know, it's just yeah. how everything goes. And those are the things that I gravitate to. It's like this this is something that should be bigger or part of this should be bigger. Something about this should be bigger. You know, because everybody's got their stories. I say that to myself often. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyways. Um, well, we've been going for a while here. And editing this, I'm sure at this point, has been a monster for me. So, um, what's everybody doing for the holidays during this festive time of COVID? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Tearing down this whole little section of my studio and going into a simpler format until I move. I'm in, I'm, I, I already, am building another studio myself upstairs right now. I'm building a mini studio at, at, at this time. So, Yeah. <sighs> Nice. But nobody's like, already, uh, I'm assuming already, nobody's uh, hanging out with booking. lots of family or anything like that, or everybody's just going to stay home and chill and drink or nope. whatever. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be a late, um, it's going to be a late celebration with family. So yeah. it's going to be extended Christmas, I guess. Christmas in July. Yeah, that that would be the way <laughs> I would like to have it myself. I'm, I'm completely fine with waiting till, till July hits and be like, okay, it's Christmas now. Let's all sit out in the backyard and put a tree up and sit around the fire pit with a Christmas tree. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, uh, booking stuff for. Okay. What's that? <laughs> nothing. What were you saying? High five Christmas. I have absolutely nothing to say. <laughs> Why are now you, here? you choose to be good, Gary. Yes. No. no I now that we're coming on the end of the show, of saying the same phrase. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, the good news is, is by spring, everybody should that wants to be should be able to be vaccinated. So. We've we've got two of them out there now, and I think a third one's coming that I that I know of. I'm not sure when it's going to be happening. We got the two of about at the time of this recording. So, anyways, yeah, it's a it's a hard. Thing. Well, it's funny because I've actually, for me, it's it been not such a big change because um you know I've had chronic illness over my life and I've spent like you know literally years bedridden years you know housebound and stuff and I always said well you know it's always better if other you know other people can get out and do fun stuff or whatever. And, uh, you know, that, you know, why should everyone have to have a creepy time just because I'm here? And I always thought, well, maybe I'm being like kind of Pollyanna-ish or whatever. Mm-hmm. But then uh, this year, you know, it's been, everyone's been going through the same thing. And I was like, yeah, you know what? It really is better when it's just you. <laughs> At least people can go out and, you know, have some fun and then like tell you about it or something. But it's it's been rough for everyone. So. There definitely has been an uptake in in paranormal and strange activity this year. And I'm just wondering if that's because everybody's anxiety between the election, between this virus, all of the stress that goes along. Like an election year is bad enough on people. That's that's usually very stressful alone just for whatever, for politics and stuff. I'm not a political person. Then you add to it this craziness of this virus going on. And, and, you know, it's, it's like people have to be cool to one another, and we can't do that. People cannot be cool to one another. So <laughs> it's like, you know, I'm wondering, like, I'm wondering how much of this has contributed to all of this strangeness going on. There was a report today that UFO sightings in New York City are, like, up by 283% or something like that. UFO sightings mm-hmm. and reports of strangeness in general have been up a lot this year. Is that just because people are bored or people think that they're seeing things or is this another topification thing or mm-hmm. is this a direct reflection of know. the stressed out global consciousness that's happening right now? I think uh, all of I, that. yes, I was going to say exactly what Gary said. Thanks, yep. Gary. Yep. All the above. 
<laughs> and I think that there's some some changes coming to the way our society works. As oh, I don't. Think I think so. that those are going to take some time to get adjusted to, and I think that's also part of it. I don't. I don't know if I. Be- I think people want to get back to normal so badly, so quickly <laughs> yes. that. I mean, it's definitely going to change things on some level, but it was like after 9-11 yeah. happened, you know, people were weird for a while. It took a little while, and then eventually everybody kind of got still back weird. to normal again. I mean, there was still a level of weirdness that's never going to change, but, you know, I have this feeling that once this stuff gets over with, like by the end of summer, I can see people, like travel is going to be insane because people really want to get out and start traveling and going and doing stuff again, so... Like everything is gonna yeah. slingshot back in the opposite direction. It's it's like you can only push the rubber band so far. But once once this vaccines and stuff going through and things things start getting back to normal again, I think we're gonna see a real quick rebound into an opposite direction because people have been so pent up and you know wanting to do yeah. stuff. Even the people that are like yeah. well, this vaccines, this is fake. This this virus isn't fake. You know, it's still you're still hindered by what what you can do and places you can go and things you can do or whatever. So there's this desperate need for want to have some kind of normalcy again. But it, but you're going to have that happen, but you're going to have the adverse effect where just below the surface, people are still going to be freaked out for a while. You know, it's and like now we have the. Go ahead. Now we have the new British strain, which yeah. is now 78 percent transferable, and so what is that like 10, 20 percent is as catchy as it is here. Yes. So they have to see how is the virus the or the the vaccine are going to affect the British strain, and is that strain already here? Yeah. Um, well, apparently they've I've already tested it. With, eight strains, and that was months ago. Apparently they've already they've already pulled that they've already pulled that strain out and checked the vaccine against it, and the same core markers for the vaccine and what that strain does are, are there. So this vaccine, these vaccines should work on that virus. It's huge. Good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, that's good. Important. So, because this one doesn't mutate the same way that the flu does or the way that a cold does, which even if it did, like, I'm I'm pretty cool with having to go and get a shot every year, like getting a flu shot. Yeah. You know, if they yeah. say, yeah, this is what happens, but you're gonna have to get a shot every year. Well, I, I get a flu shot every year anyways. So it's not, right. you know, I'm like, all right, whatever. It's just another shot. I gotta go get over another year. Go to the, go to the drugstore, stand there, stick it in my arm, do what I gotta go carry about my business. Because I'm in a real hurry to get back to normal. For the, for the immune response. <laughs> And then you're golden. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it's I don't. It's it's going to return back to normal because people want it to return back to normal so badly. Um, oh yeah, yeah, I definitely do. I'm by this time next year, maybe we'll be unmasked if things all go as planned and no one starts sprouting a horn out their forehead or I don't think a third arm out their back will be golden. I'll, I'll try to keep my horn in check. I don't. I don't even give it to this time <laughs> next your year. Horn I anywhere give it to, you want it. I'll give it to okay. August. I'll give it to August or September at the latest, and people are going to be going on masks because you already have people now that don't want to wear masks. You already have that fight going on now. So once the vaccine, yeah, they say gets we won't even start anywhere close to herd immunity till at least June. So they were saying probably December till the twenty twenty two in January before we can even think about taking off masks. Whoa. Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen. That way. I mean, that's the way it should happen, but I don't think it's going to happen that yeah. way. I think once the vaccine yeah, gets out there and enough people way. get vaccinated, because once I'm vaccinated, I'm, I've, got, I've got a really bad attitude about this. Like, once I'm vaccinated, I don't care because I know I'm not going to be able to catch it and I'm not no. going to be able to transmit it. Now, I will still continue There's to wear be a mask. New strains. I mean, it's just like the flu. I have friends that get the flu shot every year and some of them still get the flu. 
because they get a strain that's not included in the anti or in the uh, vaccine. But well, you're always going to have that. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, you're, you're always going to have that. But but even after I we'll get vaccinated, see. I'm still going to continue to wear a mask just because I'm not going to be a dick, you know. <laughs> Right. You know, but if I'm around people, okay, I know you're vaccinated. I know you're vaccinated. I know you're vaccinated. Okay, so you know, I'm not going to wear a mask around you guys or whatever. And well, I'm not going to get the vaccine. Well, I'm vaccinated, so if you don't want to get the vaccine, that's fine. That's on you. I, I'm I am vaccinated. I'm not going to you know I, I I'm not going to wear a mask if you're cool with it or whatever. If that's on you, if you want right. to get sick. But and could I come over and look through your things that I could might purchase cheaply after you've passed or take? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you've seen the extensive Just to help out your widows and orphans. Widows, <laughs> plural, more than one. I'm not a Mormon, sir. <laughs> <laughs> your widows and the children. How much for them? How much for the daughter? <laughs> we would like to buy them. Give you a bottle of old English and 20 bucks. And a pretty dog, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So does anybody else have anything they want to add in here before we wrap it up? Because this is going to be it for the year. I won't be jumping back into shows again until January, which I've I've got I've got people chomping at the bit. I've got books to read. Oh, my God. I've got so many books to read. <sighs> oh, wow. They're yeah. scheduled. Well, they're not scheduled scheduled, but they're ready to go for when we schedule them. I'm looking <laughs> I'm looking for head. What? <laughs> I'm looking for two skulls, two famous skulls. So for Ooh. one of the episodes, uh, both, both the alleged skull of Blackbeard and the skull of uh, serial killer Patty Cannon. So there's, it's been quite wow. an adventure. That's now included uh, the Boston, uh, a reporter from the Boston Globe and one from the Washington Post, all helping to track down this skull that we know where it is, but the museum apparently is full of know-nothing interns. I won't say the name of the museum so I can bash them. And uh, so these skulls are actually still out there and exist. You're just trying to find them. Yes. Well, I have. I I don't have all, but I now know where it is and will be going when COVID calms down a little bit down to the Natural History Museum at the Smithsonian and uh, be able to film it it because it's from here in Delaware to begin with. She was the first documented female serial killer, as well as, you know, a Delaware girl, which is why I don't date them. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> i can see why and then uh as far as blackbeard's skull um there's there's a there's kind of a provenance it's shaky but there's a provenance that can be followed from when you know at the battle of o- at around ocracoke inlet when it was lost to it going on to the bow spirit to taken to governor spotswood who had it put on a pole in hampton virginia at the mouth of the Hampton River, which it then kind of deteriorated and fell, and then it was picked up by the owner of the Raleigh Tavern, and then it's strange travels after that to end up in what I believe is a large wine box cut open with a box cutter and surrounded by a lot of uh, bubble tape, which I tried to tell the dipshit intern, but they still won't look for it because we've never had human remains here. So I sent them the article showing about when they got rid of their human remains and the entire inventory of the collection that the skull is in. And I'm like, you've had it. You've lent it out to other museums. Other museums have documented in articles and inventories that they got it from you. I have the Washington Post and the Baltimore Sun saying they got it. You know, when they interviewed you about the skull, you say you don't have. So, 
they're driving me nuts. And they're like, oh, well, you know, we got rid of it because it was just a uh, a, a medical skull from a medical school um, painted with engine block paint. I'm like, so you're you're trying to tell me that t- three of the top Mariner museums, the Maritime Museum in San Francisco and the Mariner Museum in Newport News, Virginia, were so stupid and bad at their jobs that they couldn't tell that this was just a medical skull with spray paint on it. It don't matter that it's taking care of the monitor. They don't know what they're doing. <laughs> I'm like, no, you, you guys don't know where it is. I'll come and I will find it for you and then I will bring it home. <laughs> yes. Wow. Oh, gosh. But, That's so exciting. That is my skull story. Yeah. Coming up for season three sometime as well as uh as uh, possibly interviewing someone, I won't say who, very closely connected to the Tower of London, that could be a very fun episode too. But more oh, to yeah, come. This in season all sounds three. great. Yeah. Let's wrap this up for the year, and uh, I guess Gary, you go first. Where can people find you if they want to figure out what you've been into and stuff these days? Since you've been talking about the show. It's a uh, bizarro aficionado. I'm everywhere you find and download fine podcasts so it's on the usual ones it's in apple it's in spotify you can ask alexa for it it's in google it's in i don't know all the Podbean. it's out there and uh we just wrapped up season three but if you if you are a listener and have listened there will be another very short show coming up as the entire subject of uh the season three finale has been solved so I, uh, not at liberty to to say anything yet, but as soon as it's released by uh, Collier County Sheriff's Department, then I will do an update show and announce what happened. Nice. Uh, That's exciting. It is. Yeah. It is. I'm to have covered it other than the Collier County Sheriff's Department. Wow, that's <laughs> a huge story right now. Yeah. It's a huge. It's going to be on like 60 Minutes and CBS and – it's yeah. the uh, the story of uh, a hiker that was found. Uh, he was 83 pounds and deceased from starvation in his tent in Florida. And then the the search by this uh, web, this page on Facebook of like-minded hikers and people that have slowly tracked down on the trail and talked to him and tried to slowly piece his life together, who he was and how someone with – $3,500 and within a couple miles of the nearest town died of starvation. Mm. So it's a pretty weird and fascinating story, but there's big update coming and that'll be fun to do. I'm excited to hear it. Yeah. I'm very strongly considering me. going over to Where can they find myself. you, Ashley? Well, you keep calling her Ashley. Why? I know. I was like, <laughs> it's just funny. Like, just doing it to be a dick. <laughs> Ashira. All right, bitch, where can they find you? <laughs> well, you can find me on bitch.com. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody send me a name to call her, for Christ's sake. <laughs> you can find me on Facebook. Uh, just look up Ashira VII for seven. And I am really easy to find. I don't think there's anybody else with that name out there. And all of my research is usually going to be posted on there. Um, Steph, what about you? Ooh. 
I am on my blog. It's called Ghost Dog is a Mystery Box. It's stephaniequick.home.blog. And I'm on Facebook at Stephanie Quick. And I'm on Twitter at Wandering Britches. Um, if you go to my uh, blog, then I have all the different ways you can contact me there, my email and stuff. If you want to send me any weird stories, which I always like. But yeah. All right, guys. Well, thanks for being here. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. Thanks for coming on here and telling your stories, Ash. I'm sure that editing this is going to be a lot of fun. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I guess we'll just close the year out. I've got the most fantastic song in the world to close us out with. It's a mashup mix of Marilyn Manson and Mariah Carey. So, oh yes, yeah. So uh, seems legit. I guess we'll just call this good, and uh, I guess we'll see everybody in the next year, twenty twenty one, and hopefully uh, this shit show of twenty twenty will be over with, and maybe next year will be better. Anything's got to be better than this. So yeah, the new year has never meant more. (laughs) Really. All right, folks. Peace. Take care. Peace. Bye bye. Just